And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, we are recording this on Monday afternoon, which means we're basically 72 hours from the NBA trade deadline. And my big acquisition of the week is reacquiring a longtime guest who I have on every single week except for last week because NFL free agency is a crazy thing and he was way too busy to talk to me and had far more important things to do than shoot the shit about the Wizards. It's everybody. It's it's, it's the man. What did you call yourself? The the guy who's known around town, Ben Standig. Did I say that? Based on the description, I feel like I'm I'm now the podcast version of Trevor Ariza. Trade deadline, you you reacquire me. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You bring you back. Who's 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 played for there are guys out there who have played for the same team three times. It's happened. Ish Smith oh, has played for multiple teams multiple times, but nobody three. Uh good question. Um don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm sure that's happened. If they had acquired Trevor Reza, let's just say my tone for this podcast would have been angry. <laughs> before, before we're, we're really just going to be talking trade deadline stuff today. We're just going to reel off trade deadline talk and Wizards trade talk. And I don't know. That's what that's what people care about now. The Wizards are 15 and 26 and they've lost eight out of their last 10. And sometimes they look great and sometimes they don't. And when you're 15 and 26, the majority of the time you don't, I guess. Uh, so we're just we're just going to talk trade deadline stuff, except wait, Ben, I got to talk about the last like 21 seconds of that game against the Nets last night. Because uh, my, my head is still hurting from it, but go ahead for a team who's like of all the Wizards defensive issues that, that are out in existence. I think you can argue that their number one issue is overfouling. Now there are a million reasons they overfoul. They're out of place and yada yada. And you know, we can we can talk about those as separate issues or overlapping ones. But I think you can make a good argument the Wizards' number one defensive issue is that they foul too much. They all the problems that come from fouling. And yet, for a team that fouls so much, they have had so many problems late in games where they don't foul enough. I mean, there were there was the Miami game and the Denver game where they were so in the Miami game, they're they're up three and they try to foul up three and they mess it up. The Denver game, close and late, they're up three. They don't foul up three. And then Scott Brooks says after the game that the reason they didn't go with the same strategy was because they tried to practice it after the Miami game in in, you know, in a in a practice setting. They tried to go through it. And they couldn't get fouling up three down. So they had to basically just scrap the strategy from their playbook and just go away from it because they couldn't foul up three. Then in the Milwaukee game, they're not down very much. And they just let about 15 seconds run off the clock. And they said after the game, they thought they fouled Giannis and Dettacumpo late in the game. 
they thought they should have sent him to the line with 11 seconds left or whatever it was, but they had already let a lot of clock run before the Giannis thing. And then they didn't foul directly after Giannis got rid of the ball too. There was no awareness to foul in that situation. Then last night against the Nets, they're down five. Uh, Russ, I think it was Russ, misses a three with 21 seconds left. And the Nets get the rebound. And there's no foul for 18 seconds. And I was like, why? I, I just, everyone's just kind of guarding normally. I just, I, I, it's, it's crazy. It's, I, I, I'm actually speechless in that situation. I just don't under, I don't, I don't understand what's, what's happening. That's a thing that a tanking team would do. I've seen teams that we know slash think are tanking. Just let clocks run out without without fouling. I remember the Mark Jackson Warriors, I think it was during the lockout season, had a couple of famous scenarios like that. And it's happened since. But like this team, based on the way it operates, is not it's not tanking. So and tanking is is not losing. It's it's playing, it's putting together a roster with the organizational intention of losing. And and by that definition, it's not tanking. So I I don't know. I was so confused watching the last 18 seconds and seeing these non-fouling issues. It's just some weird stuff, some weird stuff with this team. It it hurts my brain, that kind of play on multiple fronts. I mean, you know, part of me wants to say when these weird things keep happening, at some point you have to ask the question about like, you know, how often is the coaching staff drilling in these, you know, obvious, you know, points it should be pretty apparent to to everybody um you know like are are the players having these mental lapses because it's on them individually i mean it is on individually but like this is why coaches exist right all of us know things in life that we should be doing but it helps when you have somebody constantly kind of reminding you of that it's kind of like what parents do you know what i mean uh but on the same point all these players have played basketball their whole lives you know the deal The, the, the shot clock's off you have to foul like it was really ridiculous to watch i had to rewind it because i was like wait wait what just happened here am i missing something <laughs> like what 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 was the what was the the, the time and score did i did i mess this up in my own head it was really off the charts terrible and um you're right you would think that it, it, it's almost the definition of tanking even though the players don't tank uh that's not how that works it's it, it, it was bizarre and like you know like you said i mean there's been so many of these end of game scenarios where you're just like, what is happening here with this team? It just makes no sense. And to be clear, like that didn't lose them the game. They were down five with 20 seconds left and Brooklyn had the ball. That didn't lose them a game. It was just, you know, going, going to Brooklyn and, and losing a close game is, is fine. There's no shame in that. Like I, the Nets have as good a chance to win the title as anybody else. And they're rolling. And I don't care that KD is not there. They could win the title if KD just doesn't play another second the rest of the year. They're they're that good. They have James Harden and Kyrie Irving and a bunch of other really good players. And, you know, I feel like their destiny is to constantly have a young backup center who is better than DeAndre Jordan. And now that guy is Nick Claxton, who is, you know, a, a really nice, really helpful player and played great against the Wizards last night. And they... They lost that game because they turned it over a gazillion times. Russ had eight, Beal had six, and they gave up 27 points off of turnovers in a close game. That's why they lost that game. They didn't lose that game because of the, the non-fouling. It's it's just a weird 
theme. Like I, I don't remember covering a team that has this many, oh, they didn't foul late issues. It's not even late game execution issues. It's very specific kind of late game execution issue. And it's a it's a it's a weird thing that we have so many examples of uh of them messing up on in a single season. Right? It's just weird. Yeah, I mean, and again, you know, this is a. I know we're going to stay with the focus of the of the of the trade deadline, but I mean, like I said, it is a question. Like when these things happen, what, what, why? You know, how do you account? How do you account for it? I mean, it really is hard to fathom that the. You know, I don't know. It it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's easy to sort of say, "Come on, coaching staff, like how are you not getting on top of this?" I'm pretty positive somebody was yelling foul. Right. <laughs> but no, but, someone but, was. That's the thing. Like, I'm with you. Like, ultimately, whether it's a coaching issue because the coach isn't because, scre- you know, Scott Brooks or assistants aren't screaming foul, 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 or it's a coaching issue because these principles aren't being instilled to them into them in the long term. Like, I, I, I get that. Obviously, like what what are you going? You know, what what isn't a coaching issue if this isn't one? What is what is a coaching issue? If this is not a coaching issue, you know? So, of course, coaching plays a part in something like this. Of course. But these are NBA players. They know to foul when you're down five with 20 seconds left. (laughs) You know? It's just such a... That's why it's so odd. That's why it's so odd. They're veterans on the floor. It's just so weird. Anyway, let's talk about trades. All right. So, in in the last week... I have co-authored a piece with David Aldridge uh, about kind of what we're both hearing regarding the Wizards at the trade deadline. And if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, by the way, you can sign up right now. I mentioned this on the last episode. We're offering a deal. You can go to any of my stories. Just go to my author log, Google Fred Katz, The Athletic, and you can click on that. And you can go to any of my stories that are up there, click on one of those stories, and you're going to be able to sign up off the link of one of those stories for $1 a month. And that's not just for my coverage. It's not just for Ben's coverage. It's it's full access to the entire site. You get everything for $1 a month. Just just head on to my stories. You can get it off the author log. Like I just told you, if you Google my name in The Athletic, if you go to my Twitter or my social media, you click on any of the links, you'll you'll be able to sign up off of there for $1 a month. That gets you full access to everything on The Athletic, which I I think, and I know Ben thinks, is is totally worth it. So I wrote that piece with, with DA last week on what we're hearing, and I talked about that in the pod a little bit last week. Did a piece with John Hollinger as well later last week, talking about um, you know hypothetical Wizards trades. And then I Fielded offers from the readers on Twitter where they proposed hypothetical fake Wizards trades to me, and I I evaluated them, and that story went up Monday morning, or I guess Monday at around noon, on The Athletic DC. Um, Ben, what's your your Wizards feel going into the deadline now that we're three days away? Uh, Well, first of all, I was thinking to myself, I want to like wrestle you for these uh, people that are signing up. I mean, you know. I, I I I'll take I'll take people sign up for me too. It's for the dollar. I, and if you if you come to me instead of Fred, uh, I will be your best friend. <laughs> I don't I don't know what else to offer. Um, I, I mean, okay. So I went down like because you 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 said hey we're gonna do this podcast uh, focus. Let's uh, you know be prepared. So I'm like okay. So uh, I, I read I read your your articles and uh, 
you know, had done a little bit of uh, uh, checking around the league the ben, other day. Ben, can I? Can I just say? Can I interrupt you for a sec? Can I? Can sure. I just say I am? Uh, I think my favorite running thing on the podcast is when you announce before an answer that you actually prepared this time. <laughs> well, you know, uh, one once in a while it's I a try to. Uh, it is. I, it is. Um, and I'm acknowledging that it's a big deal because it because of how how not often I do that. All right, so uh, I, so like the, my okay, so I guess you have to start with the premise of what 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 is the point of the what is the what is the Wizards' goal of the trade deadline? Now, usually these things seem pretty obvious to everybody involved. To me, this one doesn't seem as obvious. Like I understand what the Wizards seem to be trying to do. They're at least fronting the idea that they want to add some help for this stretch run. I don't necessarily know that I understand why uh, because of the fact of like kind of where they are and like kind of what's the reality. Like I understand that they can still make the playoffs. Um, but at the same time, I, I like, I, I, I'm not trading anybody that I want longer term for this short uh, shot to make the playoffs. And then simultaneously, I don't know what I'm going to get based on the pieces that I'm trading that they realistically can trade. But I try to break it down like this, to, regardless of what they think. So I, I was I broke it into categories. First category is who am I not trading? Like who's I got? You know, I, I don't believe that you should never answer the phone calls. I always hate when people talk about that or say things like that. But okay, who am I not trading? The answer for me was nobody. Everybody, I'm trade anybody because I don't think there's anybody on the Wizards, but be either based on their contract situation, sort of like the Beal deal. Or like they're you know the younger guys like they're interesting but like I don't know we'll we'll see what I don't know what I'm not gonna say that Denny Avdi or Ruby Hachim are off limits so everybody's I'm willing to there's nobody I won't trade now who am I probably not trading <laughs> I'm probably not trading uh, Denny and Rui I'm probably not trading Beal and I understand I'm I'm definitely not trading Beal now because I want to wait if I'm gonna do this I'm waiting for the off season when there's gonna be more teams involved. We, we've talked about this before. It'll be easier to, if you make a bigger, sort of lopsided trade, it's easier to, you know, have guys be on the roster. And you just have more teams involved, you have more suitors involved, because it, teams are not sort of stuck with with salary cap issues or roster configurations or whatever. So I'm not trading those three, probably. Uh, who am I willing to trade? I'm willing to trade Bertans, and I'm willing to trade... Thomas Bryant, who granted is out, but I'm just saying I'm willing to trade them. If somebody wants to give me good, you know, some something equivalent for Bertans, I'm in. I mean, he can shoot, but you know, he's limited to that, and he makes a lot of money. And you know, I'm willing to trade him. Who can't I trade? I can't trade Westbrook. Nobody's taking on that contract, right? And I'm not. I already gave up one first round pick for that whole thing, so I'm not trading anything else. So, th so therefore, everybody else to me is tradable. Uh, that said, I would rather trade your Brooklyn, or your, your 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 Robin Lopez and your Ish Smiths, and even honestly Neto, than I would Troy Brown. Which isn't to say that I think Troy Brown is a mainstay. It's to say he's still young and interesting, and clearly he and this coach don't seem to mesh as a player thing, whatever. So I got to determine if I think that Troy Brown has any value because I don't want to just give him away. He's a, going to his third year, so I would trade all the expiring contract guys because I don't personally care if the Wizards are the 10 seed, but that's me, not them. So that's how I would view the world. I don't really see a lot here that I'm working with to trade unless there's some bigger deal that I just don't see um, for any of these other uh, of these other guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, something that I think is an, an interesting perspective for the trade deadline, which is every year we talk about, all right, this is what this guy would be worth in a trade. This is what this guy would be worth in the trade. Robin Lopez would be worth a second round pick. Ish Smith, maybe, maybe worth second round pick. Maybe he's healthy. Maybe a team really wants a backup point guard. They can get in the cheap. Be worth a second round pick. You can argue about protections. You can argue about the quality of the second round pick. Let's just say worth a second round pick, right? That doesn't mean that there's actually a team who's willing to give up a second round pick for him. You know, like there are teams that could use a backup center. Let's say the Nets would like a backup center. They'd like another center on their team. Even though I really like Nick Claxton, I think he's good. But let's say he's 21 years old, second year player. Let's say the Nets, the Nets would like a second round, uh, a backup center, and they're they're obviously going to be very in play for Andre Drummond if he gets if and when he gets bought out. But that doesn't mean the Nets are going to give up a second round pick for Robin Lopez. Um, you know, I I I don't know like if if you would be able to get that second round pick for Robin Lopez, even if you put him out there. Now, I think a couple of years ago, they could have gotten a second round pick for Trevor Ariza at the deadline. They could have gotten a second round pick for Jeff Green. And I think if they fought hard enough to like, okay, Neto, Lopez-ish, you know, all vets, not necessarily part of the long-term future and all expiring. Let's let's see if we can get anything for any of those guys, be as aggressive as possible as, as recouping, recouping picks for those guys. I think if that's your goal, we're 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 just we're giving up on this year and we're just going to see if we can get stuff to help us for the future. That's your goal. I'm sure you can find not sure, but I I feel like you could find something. But it's not like those are guys that like are tippy top of the market. The way that this stuff tends to work is that those guys are the guys who who teams call about usually are the teams teams are going to call about Robin Lopez or even even Troy Brown, Bonga, Wagner, the young guys who who could potentially be available. Those are the guys the teams call about on Wednesday, the day before the deadline or the day of the deadline. They say, "Okay, our our first, second, third choice fell through. Let's see if we can go get Robin Lopez. Let's see if we can go get Ish Smith. Let's see if we can go get Isak Bonga. 
because, you know, maybe he can help us a little bit as a 12th man or something like that. Or we like him for our future and, you know, we'll try to resign him when he's a free agent after this year and he won't be expensive. You know, that those are the kinds of guys who, who, uh, you know, they have and that they'd be parting with. So you don't really know if they're going to get that stuff for them, whatever you deem them to be worth. You don't even know if you're going to get that stuff for them until that team who might actually be willing to give it up. Their original plans tend to fall through usually, you know? So it's just, it's a little bit more complicated than I would. All right, this guy's worth a second round pick. So you can trade him for a second round pick. This guy is worth a top 45 protected second round pick. So you can trade him for that. You know, you have to find somebody to actually take that guy for that price. Um, that said, I don't know what they're going to do. Like, I do think they want to make the play in tournament. That's what that's what teams who have spoken to them say. That's what teams around the league say that they are they are trying to make the play in tournament and that they they would like to upgrade the roster. I also don't think that they're just going to like trade Troy Brown for Garrett Temple. Like I don't think that, you know, who's a who's a 34-year-old on an expiring deal. Like I don't think that's what they're looking to get back if they were to trade Troy Brown. So I don't really know what a deal is that's out there that they would make. They could make one. They could totally make one. But I I struggled to conceive of what it would be, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, because I said, if they're in this really weird spot, it would be easy to be, I mean, you mean, uh, it doesn't make sense to make an aggressive play to acquire somebody to just be the 10 seed. Simultaneously, they don't necessarily, if they're still trying for that, then, you know, a lot of the guys we're talking about are in the rotation or close enough that it doesn't make, you know, you don't want to give up that guy to then because then you need him. You know, how are you going to, you know, you may need him for what you're doing. But then also, like, you know, I don't know what kind of value somebody like a Troy Brown or Mo Wagner has in a trade. So, um, yeah, it's a super weird spot. Um, my, my my only thought was, say, like a Robin Lopez. I, was, I wasn't thinking even so much about the pick. I was thinking about the money. Like if he's making over seven million dollars or whatever it is, um, you have that. You have you know whatever Ish Smith is getting. Does that is there is there some team that thinks okay I have, I'd like to get some veteran help off the bench and they have this piece that they're you know that has a contract that goes beyond this year that you know whatever that, that, that you know the Washington thinks is interesting enough that the other team is is open for doing it. I don't think Robin Lopez and Ish Smith are that exciting, obviously, or at least hopefully that's obvious. <laughs> um, but you know, at the same point, I mean, you know, I think Robin Lopez can be a, a top eight nine guy in a rotation in the playoffs, and Ish Smith, you know, is a solid point guard. And by the way, for what it's worth, I mean, like the way I look at it is any player on an expiring contract. I'm willing to trade because if they're going to leave here, then, you know, like that was the whole point of the Trevor Ariza thing from a couple of years ago. Like you're not realistically good enough to really try to be keeping him yet. He's going to leave. So you either get something right now, whatever it is, or you get nothing. And I'd like something that's just call me crazy on that front. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I mean, that's true. I, I, I criticize them for holding on to Ariza and, and Jeff Green past the trade deadline a couple of years ago. I think the record was 22 and 32 that year at the deadline. And that was the year that they traded Otto Porter for Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis. And they didn't give up uh, Ariza and Green. And the reason why was because at 22 and 32, they thought, let's make a run for the playoffs. 
everybody else outside the organization saw where this, you know, that team was headed and they ended up losing 50 games. And it, I don't think it surprised any of us, um, but you know, that that's Ernie Grumfeld's last year. And that's, that's a different person running the team that will give Tommy Shepard a little bit of credit now, because I think you could argue that the Russell Westbrook for John Wall trade was a, you know, we, we got to be better in a, you know, ahead of its time move, a move that a team coming off a 25 and 47 season shouldn't have made. If you want to include that trade in the uh, Wizards, you know, chasing the eight seed or 10 seed or whatever you want to call it category, I, I will definitely accept that. But otherwise, the role player trades that Tommy Shepard has made, they're they're pretty much all, you know, kind of kind of scraping at the margins and, you know, trying to upgrade on the fringes type of things. Right. They're the they're the exchanging Isaiah Thomas for Jerome Robinson. They're the taking on Bonga and Wagner and uh, for free and taking on Bertans for free. And, uh, you know, I guess, I guess the other thing that you could say, which is, you know, trying to stay good in the present and not, not worrying as much about the future is holding on to Bertans for the long term and paying him, which is a non move, which is as good of a move because, you know, you could have gotten something for Bertans last year at the deadline. And, you know, he obviously has, uh, you know, has not lived up to that contract so far this year and after showing up out of shape. So for the most part, though, I mean, Shepard has, I think, prioritized the margins. So I'm curious how he's going to maneuver. That's kind of why I'm like, I don't know what they're going to do, because I'm curious how, based on his history, I'm curious how he will maneuver wanting to get better in the present, but not hurting the future. Because normally those things have an inverse relationship. You give up a little bit of your future to help your present. You know, that's the reason trades tend to make sense. All right, we're building for the future. You're building for the present. We'll give you something for the present. You give us something for the future, and then we're good. And that's how probably most NBA trades end up getting made. You have something I don't want. I have something you don't want. Let's, or I should say, I have something you want. You have something I want. And let's, let's do this. And I, I don't, I don't. It's very difficult. I mean, that's just by definition. It's it's a great trade if you can get something that helps you today and doesn't hurt you tomorrow. So I, I don't know what it is. I feel like if you throw something out there, it seems like too good of a trade to just hypothesize about because it doesn't seem realistic, you know? So yeah, I don't I mean, know. The, the only player that they could do what you said, trade for help now that doesn't hurt you tomorrow and 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 but before I before you react to it, I mean, like the the, the answer is Troy Brown. If the, one the Wizards decide they're out on Troy Brown, even if Scott Brooks is not back, and they're like, you know what, as an organization, we just we you know we've missed on this one, we're going to move on. Then simultaneously, another team saying, well, we think Troy Brown is there is something here that the Wizards just didn't get enough out of him. So we're willing to do something. That would be a scenario where maybe you could actually do that if you're willing to sort of give up on him now. But if you think Troy Brown has anything left, then I then then that goes against that point to trade him for say an expiring contract. Um, but like you know, if you don't, if, if you're like yeah, you know what, this isn't for us anyway, and you do then trade him for the Garrett Temple type deal, um, regardless of or whatever, like I, I, then okay, I get it. But that's only if you're saying we're out. 
on this guy, which I, I don't know why you would, but that's that's that would be one way to to sort of do it if you self-assess that this isn't going to be a thing anyway. But Troy Brown, I will say Troy Brown is a guy you could find a second round pick for. So to me, that's a situation where it's actually analogous to the first the the trade for Ariza from 2018, where the Wizards give up Austin Rivers, they give up Kelly Oubre, and they bring back Trevor Ariza. And on paper with absolutely no context, that that trades like it's it it doesn't end up well because it's a rental, but Oubre is a free agent coming up. You're gonna have to pay him. It's not the worst thing in the history of the world. But what they didn't do, the reason that trade, when you put the context in, becomes worse is that they didn't recognize the gravity of the situation where they weren't going to be good. And so Trevor Ariza was essentially useless for them. There was no, Trevor Ariza could have had the best stretch of his career with the Wizards that year, and it wouldn't have mattered because that team wasn't good. And then he was going to walk at the end of the year. So... You end up giving up on Ubre and bringing back a rental when, like, I think you can make an argument that if you trade Kelly Ubre for a top 45 protected second round pick, which is less than you could have gotten for Kelly Ubre, obviously, that's still better than getting Trevor Ariza because it's something that has a slight chance of helping you in the future. Whereas Ariza, especially after you hold on to him post deadline, does not. Uh, and, and, that to me is is where like you don't trade Troy Brown for a Garrett Temple type. You don't trade Troy Brown for Mike Muscala because I'd rather trade Troy Brown for a second round pick, even though that is saying something along the lines of, oh man, this 15th overall pick that we drafted when we just picked up his option, we're so out on him now that we're just cutting bait for a second round pick. Well, that's still more helpful. Like I understand it, egos are involved in trades and that kind of stuff. And that's always the case. And it will, it's always been the case. It always will be the case. But, you know, if you trade Troy Brown for a second round pick, it's going to help you more. Now, I wouldn't trade Troy Brown for a second round pick. I think there's something with Troy Brown. I think there are still people around the league who think that Troy Brown can be a nice player. And that for whatever reason is just not working with the Wizards this year. I mean, Scott Brooks clearly uh, is out on him. He hasn't played in four games and he's not been consistently a part of the rotation for the entire season. Uh, and if the Wizards front office feels the same way, maybe it is time to to cut bait. But like there are certain Troy Brown trades that I look at and I'm like, okay, you know what? If you're going to swap him, you know, I, I mentioned to Hollinger uh, something like just swapping him for Josh Okogie, who is about the same age, was the same draft class, is a good defensive guard, is is just struggling like hell offensively this year in Minnesota, is on the fringe of the Timberwolves rotation. It's two teams who are in a somewhat similar spot where they're not winning, but they're trying to win because they have some really good players who are max players and who are going to be free agents in a few years with Beal and with Towns, and they're trying to keep those guys happy. And that could be a situation of like, we don't see these kinds of trades very often, but that could be a situation where it's like, you know what? We think your guy can help us. Maybe our guy can help you. We're both kind of out on our own guy. Let's just, let's flip them. The salaries are pretty similar. They're at similar points in their career. Let's see if a change of scenery helps them both. This might be mutually beneficial. And you just do that straight up. That's, 
you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. That's that's literally an idea that I have that I floated out there. Those kinds of trades, you know, that's okay. You're getting back. You're giving up a 21 year old. You're you're getting back a 22 year old. But you know, there are other Troy Brown hypotheticals where I'm like, no, like that's that's not the direction that you go in when you're 15 and 26. You know. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I wouldn't trade. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't deal him at all. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I would trade him for something that was good, but I wouldn't just trade him, like you said, for the second round pick. Um, by the way, uh, fun fun fact: in 1980, the Wizards drafted Wes Matthews, the father of the current NBA player, and the next year traded him. To I want the Atlanta or the Sixers Atlanta maybe for Don Collins who was picked six picks later in the same draft like the next year they just swapped first round picks so sort of like because I think because both guys ultimately kind of just kind of were whatever you know that they were okay but like not working out or whatever so that's kind of what you're kind of what you're uh, what you're talking about Um, so yeah I, I I agree I mean ultimately I'd rather get something for nothing interestingly though to go back to the to the Ubre thing. Like I was definitely not, I was definitely in favor of them trading Ubre for the reasons you said that like he was coming up due for free agency. And like, based on the team that they had, it was going to be pretty uh, unlikely that they would be, you know, logically to re-sign him for the contract. People thought Ubre might be getting at the time, which he didn't get, but regardless, but interestingly enough, what where I, this is like an example to me of where the wizards back then at least had no vision is I, I'm not the biggest Kelly Oubre fan, but if you were going to trade Otto Porter, which they did a few months later, then you absolutely keep Kelly Oubre because, I mean, I'm not saying I would want to give Kelly Oubre some four-year, $80 million contract, but like that, like if, if they had kept Kelly Oubre but then still made the Otto Porter trade, which is essentially the guy you gave $100 million to, you got back nothing, <laughs> uh, really, you know? Then at least we have like, well, we still have Ubre, and we can sort of plug him in to the group. Instead, they traded all of it away and got nothing. They they, they end up getting Ariza, who's as you said was walking. They, they, they get Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker who are walking, and may, I guess they got like a second round pick out of something. So they traded away their two young small forwards for nothing. If they had, but if they thought to themselves, there's even a I know John Wall got hurt later, which led to the Otto Porter trade because they were over the tax. But if you think at all you're going to do something like that, you're unwilling to, to commit to the tax, you don't make that trade, the Kelly Oubre trade, because you have to, you can't just think short term, but that's what the Wizards do. They always think short term, not long term. And then they get into these, uh, get into these problems. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm waiting on any sort of uh, reaction to what they do until they actually do it. You know? I'm not I'm not getting passionate about a, a wizard's hypothetical until it happens. But we'll see what they do. If well, they certainly do anything, not this time. Yeah, I mean there's there's nothing to get excited. I mean, I, like, you know, God bless you for having to write these things. Uh, I told you before we started that you did a trade mailbag, which was interesting based on your commentary and your thoughts about the ideas, but basically all the ideas were uh, you know, they were fan fiction ideas, which I get. That's we all we all do those. I mean, they weren't they weren't uh, you know. And then, but I think it's I think it's just the Wizards are tough to to make a trade for. I think that's the problem. We can come up with Beal trades all day long, but if they're not willing to to do it, and like I said, I wouldn't trade him right now anyway. And then beyond that, I mean, there. I mean, again, I think part of the issue is like, what are they trying to do? But even if you said definitively, I mean, I know they're trying to make the playoffs. But I'm saying like, either way, I don't even know what the trade. I 
even if they were going to go down the other way, I don't know what, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're who they're giving up to get something. So it's a, it's a very weird spot that they find themselves in right now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Wait, quickly before we go, because we got about five minutes before I know you got to run. The Thomas Bryant situation is interesting because that's that's a guy whose whose name I'm not hearing is available, to be clear. But he's got a couple years left, including this one, at a pretty good number. He's $8.7 million next year. I would imagine he should be back at least for the majority of of next year. He tore his ACL. Maybe he would miss the beginning of next year. We really don't know on a timetable yet. But um, if he's back for the majority of next year, his game is really predicated on energy and skill less than it is incredible athleticism. He's still young. The ACL really pretty rarely seems to be an injury that absolutely destroys young players anymore, even big men. Even Bryant, who has had foot issues, I mean, I think people expect him to come back and be Thomas Bryant again. You know, I, I don't think people expect him to not know how to shoot threes anymore or not have soft touch around the rim or not play really hard, you know, or not be able to jump at the height that he can jump now. So Thomas Bryant is a good player and he's a very good offensive player and he's only 23 years old. And I, I wonder if there's a team that would be down to trade for him when he's injured. And that, that to me, might unlock something. If there's a team that, that likes Thomas Bryant a lot and they're like, well, okay, let's, let's, let's do this. This will help us next year. But the Wizards like Thomas Bryant a lot. So I don't know. Would you, would you part with TB? Uh, yeah, I would part with everybody except for <laughs> Beal, Avdia, and, and, and probably Rui again, and that's all relative. Um, well, wait, here's my question for you. Uh, I'll speak on behalf of the people. So the, to give some hope, like, okay, we get it. We're saying from the wizard's perspective, it's hard to figure out a trade, but again, in a hypothetical, what, who are like the two or three guys out there that you see on other teams that you think, how can like that, that makes sense for where the wizards are at now. It's just a matter of what's the deal, regardless of whether you see a clear trade, who are some guys that are like realistic that they could maybe get that is just a matter of like, well, can they figure out a package? There are a couple of guys that you actually do think make sense for them. So we're, we're talking about like, if I put myself in the wizard's shoes with the wizard's priorities, but without actually wanting to hurt their future, you're yeah, I mean, I get, hurting their future. All right. Here's what I, here's what I, give me, give me these things. We'll give me the one guy that like, yeah, in the, in that to make the short term deal for them going for the 10 seed as they want. And then simultaneously, Who's the guy that maybe a team wants to dump from a salary perspective or some other reason that you think is interesting enough that you'd be willing to take that flyer if you're the Wizards? Okay. So if if I if I get if I get a mandate, let's say, from Ted Leonsis where he says you got to make the playoffs. Um and I know I'm gonna be around and I, I don't wanna, you know, trade for an expiring guy. I, I think one of the guys I would really consider would be George Hill, who will help any good team. And has another year after this at a reasonable number, uh, ten million. I think he makes next year, and you know he's available. OKC is definitely willing to part with him. If you could get George Hill for for Troy Brown and Ish Smith, and maybe throw a little something else in there, you know that that's something where you can flip George Hill for something next year. He fits on every team. He can play. He can 
run the point a little bit. He can play off the ball next to any point guard. He's a very good catch and shoot threat. I mean, he's had some, he's become a much better shooter with age and he was always a good shooter to begin with. He defends, he defends both guard positions. He's a good team defender. I mean, he just like fits like a glove onto every team. I mean, he's an excellent backup point guard if that's the role that you have for him, which is what the Wizards would. And he would, he would help them. The Wizards don't need a backup point guard, but they need good players who can defend and veterans who know how to play professional basketball. Uh, so, so that's somebody who would help. And that's somebody who you could kind of recoup something back for him next year because he's on a reasonable number. Um, I don't know, a long-term guy who, who you could go for. It's, it's, it's really hard to compile salaries for, for a long-term salary with them because they, they don't really have very many middling contracts. Like Bertans is really their only guy who's kind of middling. After that, you know, you have, you have Bryant and Westbrook on top of him and you have, um, you have kind of, or I should say you have Beal and Westbrook on top of him making incredibly expensive contracts or incredibly expensive salaries. And then you have kind of Brian at 8 million below him. So matching salaries on someone who makes 18 million becomes a little, a little difficult. You know, you, you pair Lopez and, uh, and Smith together and that gets you 13 million, which can get you that salaried player. But I don't know who's trying to, trying to do that. Like, I don't know who that player is. So I don't know. Do you have something in mind for that? I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know exactly what this guy's deal is, but I've always been a sucker for Aaron Gordon and not just because of his uh, role in the Uncle uh, Drew movie. Um, and I, I mean, like, it feels like he's been on the trade block for Orlando for 20 years at this point, and I And, the, and he's never quite lived up to the to the to the hype. But I, and so I don't really mean him, but that was his only name that sort of came to mind just as somebody I've heard was available. Um, but but somebody like that, I don't even know what his contract situation is, to be honest, but I'm assuming it's not expiring. Yeah. So Gordon, um, Gordon is 18 million this year. He's about 16 million next year. The problem with Gordon is that you're going to have to give up a lot to get him and the right. Wizards trading first round picks. Ben, just tell me if I'm keeping you too long and you need to go. Uh, the, the problem with the Wizards trading first round picks is they can't really do it in a realistic way because their 2023 protected is going to the Rockets from the Westbrook for wall trade. And that's rolling over to 2024, 2025, 2026 potentially, which means they can't trade a first round pick beyond 2023. It also means that they can trade their 2021, but the 2021 pick either has to be protected this year and then there are no rollovers on it, or it has to be unprotected this year. And so if you're trading at your 2021 pick, there's no way the Wizards are trading 2021 unprotected, getting somebody, and then getting the number two pick, and number one pick, number three pick, and missing out on Cade Cunningham or Jonathan Kuminga or any other ones of those guys. There's no way you could possibly do that. And if you're trading someone like Aaron Gordon, then you're not going to acquire a 2021 first round pick that's say top 10 protected in 2021 and then just turns into two seconds immediately or just expires and then you don't get a pick. Like you're not trading Aaron Gordon if you don't get a first rounder. And Sam Amick reported this morning with Jared Weiss that the, the Magic want either two first round picks or they want a first round pick and a good player. Uh, and you know, that kind of stuff is like, that's what they want. We'll see if that's what they get. Uh, but Aaron Gordon's a good player. He's on a reasonable contract for a couple of years. I mean, you're going to have to give up stuff 
to get Aaron Gordon. Right. And like I said, I, I, as stated from the top, I don't think the Wizards are in position to get really anything interesting because of the of the of the deal. Um, I just like but like that, like hypothetically in that world, I mean, I get what you're saying. But just for the argument here, like if if, if Orlando said they would be doing willing to do Hachimura, Thomas Bryant and some some salary filler, it looks like that would work. Like if you're the Wizards, you look at that, something like that and say, OK, we'd probably rather have Hachimura long term. But since we're talking about all kinds of short-term stuff, both this year and then also we have Beal and Westbrook, older guys, like we need something more now. Maybe Aaron Gordon gives us more now, blah, blah, blah. Like I, 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 I'm not saying, again, that that's reasonable and uh, on multiple levels. I'm just saying like if we're going to play this game of they're going to do something, like that's the type of thing I at least would be, be – if you're going to go in on this short-term investment, which they seem to be willing to – then this is the type of move I think that would be you, you would you, you should be considering again. I'm not saying I would do it, but like that type of thing. I, again, I also don't even not even factoring who else is available. Just Aaron Gordon. I've always been sort of a sucker for him, like I said. So that was it. Um, that said, yeah, I probably do need to run um, other uh, other engagements. Other 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 podcasts gave me a better deal. I got to go over there and uh, talk to them. All right, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Leave a review for Wizards After Dark. Uh, give us five stars over on iTunes. Subscribe to The Athletic. Again, you can go to any of my articles or I'll even say any of Ben's articles, which are great, and you can uh, you can sign up off of any of those links for one dollar a month. That's a full subscription to everything on The Athletic, or you can go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and you can sign up over there. If you're listening to this podcast and you like this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you're going to like my and Ben's work over there as well. So you can check all of that out. Uh, I'm sure... I'll do another podcast later this week. I mean, it's the trade deadline week, so I'm sure I'll do something later this week. Uh, you know, maybe on Thursday, maybe on Friday, whenever I record it. I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.